Okay, this is literally gonna <laughs> sound like a rainforest. I just fed these birds outside my house and... <laughs> and welcome back to life off the leash I understand you guys it's been a very long time and for that I apologize <laughs> I have just been living it up drinking it down no I'm just kidding I've just been completely smitten with work and you know it was summertime you know weekends usually consisted of waking up super early packing the car going to a beach or going on a little adventure hanging out with some friends and you know like my podcasting inspiration was a little bit down the drain but you know eventually I knew that I wanted to return to podcasting and I figured today is a good day. It is day probably 186 out of the year <laughs> that it has been raining straight. Okay, that's not true. It's not a real statistic, guys, but I I have not seen the sun in so long. And it's a Saturday morning. We literally have zero plans today. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to pull out the old microphone here. And we're just going to have a big chat and little catch up. Um, and this is going to be all about part one. I think this will be three parts. But part one of my farm work experience in Australia. You might be wondering why I even did farm work in the first place. You might be really confused, like, Alicia, why would you ever want to do farm work um, forcefully? Um, and I'm just going to explain it all in today's episode. Um, you know, the whole why you have to do it when you are a foreign in the country, my experience, and kind of leading up to when I first started. So it's going to be a really fun episode. So let's just dive right in. So you might be wondering, first of all, Alicia, what the heck are you talking about? And basically, let's just take a little drive back to 2018. And, um, this was when I first met Jamie and this was when I first got my working holiday visa for Australia. Now, I got my working holiday visa when I met Jamie in Canada. Um, it would just kind of happen to be um, a coincidence that I met him and then I had applied for my Australian working holiday visa experience. Um, and so I kind of looked into it a little bit and I knew that when you get a working holiday visa for Australia, that just means that, you know, it, people aged eight, oh, I'm going to shut my door. This storm seems to be rolling right in. Okay. that is a little bit more quiet. Um, so back to where I was, a working holiday visa is basically a piece of paper that allows you to travel to different countries, etc. 
Um, not all countries have it. Uh, some countries that do are Canada, Australia, I think America, England, UK has something going on there as well. Um, but for Australia, you just get this piece of paper and it allows you to stay in the country for one year if you are the age of 18 to 35. I believe they increased it in the past two or three years. Um, so yeah, it allows you to stay, uh, at least in Australia, one year. Uh, the difference... <laughs> that Australia has compared to many other countries that hold the same visa is that Canada, for example, if an Australian wanted to go to Canada for sure, mate, give you two two years straight up. You don't have to do any sort of uh, restrictions for that. They just say, yeah, you got two years in the country. Uh, see you. See you then. Um, but for Australia, however, it is a little bit different. You get one year in the country. But wait, there's more. You can also get another year in the country if you do something called the mandatory agricultural work to stay in Australia to get your second year visa. Now, you might be wondering what? I still don't understand, Alicia. Well, guess what? I didn't either. Remember how we took that little road trip back down to uh, 2018? Yeah, got my working holiday visa. Great. I knew that I was going to be in the country for one year. One year to me seemed like 18 for me leaving the country. So I was like, for sure, one year is going to be good enough. That's great. Um, and then I met Jamie. <laughs> so when we, when he came over to the Australia, I think that it was a lot sooner than I did. Um, but I ended up coming to Australia in November of 2018. And um, Jamie and I kind of, made it um I don't know official <laughs> then our relationship so um right away our relationship had a timeline on it in my eyes at least it was like well I mean I'm just going with the flow at the moment I really like this country but you know I still have a year a year a lot can happen in a year you don't know um so yeah everything kind of happened November uh December Christmas happened I spent it with Jamie's family got a lot closer to him started falling in love with the country and already knew if these past two months have flown by the next 10 months are just gonna go like that so that was when I started looking into how can I stay longer in the country and how can I how how can we make this work so I looked into it and that's when I found out that in order to get a second year visa, you can get one, but you have to do something like I said earlier, the mandatory 88 days of farm work, essentially. So basically, they're holding this little visa above your head saying you can get this, but you have to work uh, for the country in agriculture because as many people know, Australia is a very lovely climate all year round despite the, I know, 180-something days of rain um, that we've been having. But meaning that, you know, in Canada, the ground freezes, you can't grow any crops, fruit, etc. But uh, all year round in Australia, at least in some parts, like far north Queensland, where it's in the tropics all year round, um, they can grow fruit and vegetables and that is what Australia uses for produce in their market. Rarely does 
Australia get anything imported unless it was something that we couldn't grow here. So that being said, there's a huge industry and there's not many workers. So what the Australian government did was, okay, well, we have literally tens of thousands of people coming in the country each year for working holiday visas. How about we exploit their asses and uh, make them do farm work? So that's exactly what I had to do. It was my only choice. I was not able to, at that time, secure a job that would sponsor me. And uh, Jamie and I, we were not together for long enough to apply for common law visas. Um, So this was my only choice. And I said, you know what? I think I'd rather figure it out now because I don't want to be, you know, September, October of 2019 trying to figure out where I can do my farm work and then me not securing a position. November comes, I'm out of the country. So I acted on it pretty quickly, which I was very happy to do so. If there's anyone listening that is kind of thinking about you know, returning to Australia to do a working holiday visa in the future at any time. I mean, Australia's borders are not open at the moment, but this might be a little bit of um, some useful information for you. If you're completely not and you're wanting to stay in your home country, I totally understand. Um, But this is a really awesome story as well. It's kind of, it's taught me so many things. And looking back, you know, I'm going to be talking about all the bad things, but looking back at it now, it really was one of the best things that I've ever done in my entire life. Um, It taught me strength, resilience, um, compassion, and equality, really. Um, And I'll get right into why that was. Yeah, so basically, I had to figure out where I wanted to go do my farm work. So I started researching. I started going on Facebook, looking at, you know, ways that I could could just go to, like, I didn't know. Do I just go to a farm? Do I work? Do I milk cows? Do I pick fruit? Do I pick vegetables? So I looked into it and I found a lot of forums that people were looking for farm work. And it was like tens of thousands of people in these forums. So I started looking in March. So I was in a city called Newcastle at the time. And Jamie just got a job in Sydney. So I felt like it was a good time because he had to move to Sydney. And I was just going to do farm work and return. And we would move in together. So um, I eventually, I was working at a gym at a time. And I was talking to some receptionists. And they were telling me that their mom works for this brand called in Australia but she's like oh you probably heard of the main berries that they produce like and I'm like yeah I remember seeing that even at home in Canada my main thing to look for was I didn't want to work for a farm that I knew was going to exploit me um willingly (laughs) I've heard so many stories about women girls even guys going out to these uh farms and the owners of the farms know of the system and then they don't pay you correctly. They don't sign off on your days because um, you have to accumulate 88 days of farm work. So I've heard so many horror stories of people doing things like in little independent farms. And I really wanted to find a farm for me that I knew this wasn't going to happen. 
<laughs> so uh, when I heard this, it, it sounded like a very big company and corporation. And I looked into it and they actually did bring on um, working holiday visa holders to complete their 88 days of farm work. So I looked into it and they had multiple locations around the country. And I actually found one that was in Coffs Harbor. And Coffs Harbor to me at the time was about eight hours north of me. And um, I had never heard of the place. I had never, um, didn't know really where it was. And it happened so quickly that Jamie and I were kind of looking at what, um, you know, what farms. And all of a sudden this one got back to me and said that their next intake was in one week. So um, within that week, I quit my job. They understood because they knew that I couldn't stay in the country for very long. I quit my job. Uh, I packed the car. Jamie and I had, had two cars at that time. I packed the car literally of my entire belongings that I accumulated in like a span of three months. And um, I remember I was I found a place to rent. It was a, a, late, a family and they were going to rent out their room to me. However, I was driving on the way up and they called me and they said that their room is no longer available. So here I am driving to a town I have never been to before, driving on roads I had never driven on the other side of the road, um, and have my whole life in my bag and um, get told that I now have nowhere to sleep. So what's on my mind is, okay, I just left my boyfriend in another city I'm going to apparently do farm work for 88 days, which, you know, in my head, it was only going to be three months. I was driving to a town again, hadn't been to, and all of a sudden, I have no place to sleep. So I was thinking there is a hostel in the town. I would just stay there for the night or I'd look up an Airbnb. And I'm driving at every kind of pit stop that I'd go to when I was getting petrol or when I was um, getting food. I would like constantly be messaging people and be like, can I please come up tonight? And I eventually got on to this um, couple that had just started to rent or put their room up for board um, because their daughters had gone away to university. And I was like, okay, this is perfect because um, I'm a girl and about the same age and um, I can just slide right in. So they said that we could trial it for a few weeks, which I was completely fine with because um, I, I knew I wanted to be a little bit closer to the farm. I learned uh, quickly that this house was pretty far away from the farm. Um, so I basically am driving up these really beautiful coastal roads with the ocean, Pacific Ocean on my right hand side, big luscious palm trees on my left. And um, it was kind of a really serene moment for me. Like I really didn't know what was coming. I really had no literally no idea of what I was about to endure and the hurdles that I would have to go over the people that I would be meeting it was a crazy moment where I just remember I was so scared yet so intrigued I can't say I was excited but I it was like a, a really feeling that I, I don't think I'll ever forget so I ended up pulling up to this house and I was like, surely this can't be it. 
this is like the coolest house ever and it was in a cul-de-sac neighborhood but um it was basically all luscious rainforest and it was on a hill so um the the front of the house looked like it was just one level but when you got in you could tell that it was three levels because it overlooked the entire valley up down to the ocean it was so beautiful and I mean there was palm trees everywhere there was birds everywhere there was so much wildlife and really cool ferns hanging over and you walk in and this this lady and this man it was just so welcoming to me which was really nice um and yeah so they they show me to the room and the room was a little bit like it looks like it used to be an office uh, because the whole walls were glass which is really cool and I had like these palm trees just like outside my window and I had views of basically lush jungle so yeah I just remember that first night um I w- it just felt really weird because I was in someone's like a family's house with pictures everywhere and I just dropped my bags in this room and you know I kind of became a really bit I mean I am an introvert but I really became an introvert there because I just, I didn't know this family. I was in such a big change in my life. I just really wanted to be alone and I was in the coolest room to be alone. I had a guitar at the time and I just remember there was like this big thunder rainstorm as well and I was just playing my guitar, looking outside the window and I, it was like such a serene time for me. Um, and then, uh, before I knew it, the induction, which was like the first kind of day that you go in, came right around the corner. It was just a day or so later. And it was crazy. So I basically, it was like the day where you pick up all of your buckets and you pick up all of your things that you'll need. So I walk in and there is so many people my age and I'm like, hallelujah, this is great. Um, Walk in and um, immediately everyone is in like little groups and I'm like, oh, everyone kind of came together. There's no one um, solo, kind of like me. I just kind of walked in. It was like this shed on this farm that um, was about 25 minutes away. So I just basically drove up the coast again and I just took like a left and um, I was lucky enough to get a farm that was right near the ocean I hear so many people tell stories that they were in the middle of the desert (laughs) but thankfully for me I was at this really big farm but it just wasn't a rural regional part of Australia so we ended up um, yeah going up to this shed and you walk in and they have tables and everyone's sitting down And I kind of just find this one seat and um, I was just sitting there and I was looking around and everyone, I was like, uh, like trying to kind of look at people, maybe they can include me. But I remember I looked around and I started listening and everyone there was speaking a different language. And that's when it kind of dawned on me that, okay, this experience for me is going to be very different because I have to try to make friends with people that um, have English as their second language, which I'm completely fine with. And I will explain in the probably the second part of the, the podcast. But I just remember sitting there and looking around 
and I was really alone at that time. So the Australian lady comes in and she starts talking to us about what to expect, um, that we are the, you know, the working holiday visa makers of this and that we're going to be put into groups and then with that group you are part of a crew. Now at this point in time I didn't know how big this farm was. I didn't know how many people were at this farm. I really didn't know anything. I showed up. I got my buckets. Uh, You got six white buckets and through the buckets basically they were stacked three and three And then there was little holes on the bottom buckets with a string tied around it to tie around your waist. So it's basically like you had like bongo drums on your tied on your waist, but there was just three buckets on the left and the right. And I was like, well, I guess this is where we put whatever we're picking. (laughs) I got told later that induction date that I would be picking raspberries and that would be my crew. So there was crews for blueberries, blackberries and raspberries. So I was raspberries. And um, I saw a lot of other people also get chosen for raspberries. But little did I know that those people got sectioned off into different groups. And yet again, I was alone. So um, I was assigned to a crew called Charlie. And I later figured out that it was all, um, oh my gosh, what is that word? It's like what they use in the army, like Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta, that sort of things. So I I met people in Kilo and Lima and Mike and different groups, but I hadn't met anyone that was in Charlie. So um, I knew that I wasn't going to be trying to making friendships during this day because none of these people were in my crew. Um, So that day we got basically told what we had to wear for the following day and what, um, what to expect, kind of safety stuff, and then I went home. So I went to Kmart and I bought the uh, requirements that I had to wear to the job. So we weren't allowed to wear bright colors. We had to wear either white, gray, or black long sleeve button-up tops. Believe me, I was wondering this myself because it was still summer up there, really hot, and um, we had to wear this like thick, heavy material. But you know, we found out that with sunburn and everything, you have to be buttoned up and the thorns in the bushes can cut your arm. So fair enough. So I got like a few button up, just cotton tops. And then you had to wear for pants, you had to wear full pants uh, covered um, all the way down, um, high socks and boots. So I had to buy all of that. And you also had to buy a hat and you could not work on the day if you didn't have a hat on. So I got like this crocodile Dundee hat and I literally looked like I was about to wrangle some serious crocs but um yeah I rocked up the first day and I remember I woke up it was like four o'clock in the morning I was so stressed I was like I have to be there on time like well I, I we got like a site map of the place and I didn't put it into perspective how big this place was it was so crazy so the shed that we were just in in the beginning that was just a little shed that they literally just meet people in it's a that is at the beginning of the farm think of it as I don't even know like a little dot and then behind that dot is like 
kilometers and kilometers of land in every direction and each thing that I drove by so I was trying to go to this I think it was like 24c plot and I'm looking at my map everyone else that I saw driving up in the dark had um, multiple people in the car all I was praying for that day was I really hope I get here on time. Like that would be the worst if I show up and I don't know where I'm going. Everyone else kind of looked lost. I kind of like saw people pulled over, but there was four people in the car trying to look at this map. For me, I was driving, trying to look at the map at the same time. I had no one else telling me, you know, turn left, go here. So I eventually had to pull over because I kept driving by and, and you're in the middle of the bush. Like it's like, it is trees everywhere. And then you'll all of a sudden see awnings like white half cylinder awnings that um, have rows of fruit in them um, and I knew that that was a picking station because I all of a sudden I would see like 15a 12d 12de and I was like I need to find 24 or whatever I don't know where I was but I had to basically turn around I finally found it it was at like the most like not even where you think it was it was not even in numerical order finally roll up and I see all these cars parked outside um and yeah so I said 24c this is where Charlie crew was meeting today <sighs> found it so luckily there was about two other people that pulled up right behind me so I knew that I wasn't late and they were running around they looked about the same age as me so I was like thank god I'm not the only like working holiday person on this crew so I ended up jumping out of um, my X, the X trail we had like a Nissan X trail at the time so I jumped out of there everything was so muddy I grabbed my buckets that I got the day before put my boots on put my hat on run to where this mob of people are and I just couldn't believe the amount of people that were just standing um, around. And basically what I walked into was people in a semicircle around one or two people. I think it was two, my supervisor and my assistant supervisor. And I walked up like trying not to make a lot of noise, trying not to be noticed. I walked up and I heard uh, Australian accents. So um, I heard these two people uh, in the front yelling um, things like okay everyone you know today is a really big day for us and the voices kind of tapered out as I looked around I saw so many older people and the other young people that I saw those were the only other young people in my whole crew so there was maybe three or four others my age um, doing this you know for their visa and all the other people there I looked around were older and from many different countries and cultures and they looked so experienced everyone knew what they were doing everyone looked focused it was just it was crazy they had um they were having a morning meeting what it looked like to me um and I could see everyone was getting ready like everyone was already had gloves on I looked around I said how do people have these gloves on well the Australian voices kept talking I wasn't really listening because I was kind of freaking out that I arrived late and I wasn't ready I quickly looked around and saw that there was gloves on this big trolley thing 
and um, on the trolley thing I saw these all these plastic uh, containers and these boxes and I was kind of taking the whole situation in as I stood there with my buckets just hanging from my waist you know my hat sloppily on my head frantically looking around trying to get ready I finally found uh, someone that was uh, putting gloves on and, and um, getting a bunch of boxes and I asked this person I said hi um, this is my first day here and then they said yep yeah, no time no time no time and I realized again this person probably didn't speak very good English so I looked around and I saw everyone had these trolleys it kind of looked like a wheelbarrow but the it was like a bench that they were wheeling around and on this bench they had a setup of a scale they had cardboard boxes stacked on each other they had plastic punnets ready to go for these raspberries that were still on the the plants inside the awning and I was so confused I was so not prepared for what I experienced and as soon as I got there I looked at everyone and their fingers were tapping against their buckets their toes were tapping on the ground they you could tell they were ready to go as soon as the super the Australian supervisor would say go and I just didn't understand the terms that they were saying were such as cleaning make sure you clean your rows everyone grab your seconds make sure you use your seconds bucket and make sure you only do 21 punnets maximum these terms to me meant nothing and all of a sudden they just said okay everyone have a good day and everyone just like clockwork picked up their buckets picked up their trolleys basically ran to their assigned rows and they were off and they were already picking their raspberries and I looked down one aisle and I was just confused standing there with my buckets now falling off of me me scrambling around trying to get a trolley I just stood there so confused and I remember as I finally got my trolley set up there was already people putting through 21 punnets of raspberries. So this to me was the craziest eye-opening experience. I did not know what I was going in for and I had 87 more days to go. Thank you everyone listening to today's episode. I am going to be doing two more parts of my farm work experience. And if there's a little bit more, we'll be doing a part four. <laughs> um, but thank you guys for listening. It is, um, it's a happy story, but also a very eye-opening story. And I really hope it sheds some light into the faults that are in the Australian system. Um, as you'll see, I do mention, um, I always hear Australians talking. Um, and obviously that I'm in Australia, that doesn't make any sense, but it's because the Australians on the farm are the only people that do speak really English as a first language, um, other than people who come from, you know, countries with English as their first language. Um, so there's a common theme in here where the Australian um, supervisors uh, do exploit and are racist towards 
uh, the people working for them and I'll dive right into that and it really is a sensitive topic but um, uh, I guess we'll just have to find out in part two and um, continuing my story uh, both in a first-hand experience how I kind of described how I felt when I went on the farm um, as well as a kind of reflecting experience saying that I went here and I did this so um, I hope you guys enjoyed the style of today's kind of storytelling episode and if you guys did like it head to my Instagram account I am going to be more active on it but it is at life off the leash and that is the leash with two e's all right everyone i will talk to you in part two bye <laughs>